0: Thank you, thank you. Welcome to the Last Line Soccer Podcast, presented to you by Prime Focus Goalkeeping and the Beautiful Game Network. We want to take some time real quick to thank our sponsors for everything they do for us. Prime Focus Goalkeeping is a brand dedicated to bringing goalkeepers of all ages top-quality gloves and apparel, as well as educational goalkeeping content via our social media pages at Prime Focus GK and YouTube channel, the Prime Focus Goalkeeping channel, as well as plenty of interviews on our blog, which you can check out on our website at www.primefocusgoalkeeping.com. We also need to thank the Beautiful Game Network for giving us a platform to reach more soccer fans and talk with more great soccer minds. Check out the website, www.bgn.fm, for more great podcasts and written content. So without further ado, let's get this episode going. All right, welcome back, Last Line Podcast listeners. We are back again with yet another special guest who I am very excited to talk to and for you guys to get to know. She is currently the goalkeeper for HK Vikinger. Her name is Audrey Baldwin, and thank you, Audrey, for joining us today for the podcast.
1: Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to share a little bit about women's soccer.
0: Yeah, we just wanted, uh, wanted to get you on, want to talk to you a little bit about your career, how you've gotten to where you are, um, and, you know, just your thoughts on, on the current state of the game, men's side, women's side, whatever. Just want to speak a little about goalkeeping, uh, you know. I always love chatting with goalkeepers about various topics, get different opinions, uh, so I thought you would be perfect to come on and, and kind of chat a little bit.
1: Yeah, I love that because... I think goalkeeping is its own special sport, really, Um, (laughs) considering everything we do. So So uh,
0: first off, what time is it over there?
1: uh, Right now, it's about 1030 at night.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time uh, (laughs) this late at night to sit down and talk to us for a little bit. But uh, let's let's start off with we want to get to know you. So where are you from? How'd you get into soccer? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Yeah, so I'm from Bel Air, Maryland. Um and I mean I've been playing soccer since I was five. Um and I've always been a goalkeeper. I never played in the field once. Um maybe I was lazy or maybe it was just my calling, but um I really didn't get good until I would say college though. Um, I wasn't into fitness, I wasn't into any of that, and then um, I had a goalkeeper coach, uh, Jason Muffoletto, who's a coach at Harper Community College, um, and he just, like, kind of made me fall in love with the position, and he got me to be, like, so much more invested in everything that it entails, and um, so from there, from, I spent two years at the community college, and then Went to Arkansas State, um, which is D1 there. And I transferred my senior year to Texas Corpus Christi, uh, which was their first-year program. Um, And I never thought I would play professionally or anything. It was never in my mind, really. But I had a friend, uh, Shantae Santiford, who played abroad. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. And I just had to wait a while, but, um, I think I waited about a year, uh, just training and waiting, um, for someone to call and I had a friend give me a connection to Portugal. Um, and that's how I started really just getting into Europe. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had to pay my way through Portugal though, um, because they weren't professional yet. So, uh, I paid for everything there and, yeah, just took a big hit and a big chance, and I'm glad I did because it definitely kickstarted like a whole new life that I never would have gotten into.
0: That is, uh, uh, there's a lot there I want to unpack. So let's let's yeah. start from the beginning. So you say you didn't really get good until college. So let, let's talk about that a little bit more. So yeah, are, what really made you stick with goalkeeping? Uh, cause you said you started at a, a pretty young age and you were always the goalkeeper. Like I know for me, I played in the field for a little bit, but at a certain point I was just like, I'm not with this running thing anymore. So <laughs> I hopped in goal and I was all right. And then I stuck with it and I got a little better and better and things went from there, but you started out in goal. So, um, I don't know what really like kind of forced you to gravitate towards goalkeeper and what's made you stick there?
1: I think, and I know people say this all the time, but it was just something in my head. Like, I was just a little bit crazy. Um, I was just a little bit... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I was just... I think I was just, like, the only one on my team that was a little reckless and a little just like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And, I mean, I guess I had to have been kind of decent if if everyone was like, yeah, keep doing it. But, (laughs) um, yeah, like, I think it was just something... Inside me, I guess I just never really cared for the field and yeah, had that little craziness in me.
0: So, then what kind of spurred you on to go play in college?
1: Um, so, when I had found my goalkeeper, Coach Jason, it was around freshman year of high school. And um, they do, I don't even know if they do this anymore, but they had like college showcases and stuff back then so back then like I'm so old but um (laughs) I'm not that old but like I don't even know if they have those anymore but that was like there was specific teams just for college showcases and I joined one of those teams and like out of the blue and they had Jason there as the coach and that was the start of it all really like um I grew with him like freshman year of high school I don't even think I could dive in the air like I couldn't catch the ball from across or anything definitely not like I couldn't do anything I think I was just good at throwing my body around a little bit at people's feet and then once I started learning what it like what goalkeeping really was and the little teeny things that mattered and you know how to dive in the air (laughs) um, I realized I could play in college and just went for it
0: so then you said when you got to college, you kind of took it a little bit more seriously and, uh, you know, kind of wanted to focus on some things and develop your game a little bit. What was your what was your ultimate goal? Because I mean, like for me, when I I wanted I always knew I wanted to go to the same college, UNC Wilmington. Um, right. I wanted to go there for a while. So once I actually got there, I. Um, I mean, my ultimate goal was to play professionally. That's why I chose there in the first place. Uh, my coach was a former MLS goalkeeper. They had just uh, sent a goalkeeper to MLS. And so I thought, you know, that's, this is somewhere where I can get some playing time, develop, and they have the connections if I yeah. do well to get me to MLS. So then what, was, what kind of like drove you to, I guess, develop as a goalkeeper uh, when you got to college?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I, it's hard to explain again. I think it was just something that I wanted to prove I could do it um, because I never thought I could. Um, and so once I just started learning more about it, I was like, okay, well, I just need to get better and better just to prove that I can do it. It was There was never necessarily, like, I think I wanted to go D1 um, because I wanted to again, just to say, yeah, I can go D one or yeah, I made it there. And like, then I think after I got a couple offers and stuff, like, um, I just realized it wasn't just about playing. Like I did want to get better. So that's what made me go to a community college with my coach was just to continue getting better. Um, and after that, I could get a little bit more picky about really just getting money to play. Um, I did play rugby for a while, and I got some offers to go play rugby uh, in college, but it didn't pay. So um, I decided, yeah, I'm just going to stick with it, get as good as I can, get as much money as I can, and prove to everyone that I can be a good goalkeeper. So you're
0: really a multi-sport athlete. Any other sports you want to let us know about that uh, <laughs> you could have played in college or beyond?
1: No, it was just those two.
0: Okay okay so after the community college you went to Arkansas State correct
1: Yes correct
0: so what was what was the transition like there was there a bit of a level jump did you what was your adjustment period like uh,
1: For me I don't think there was a level jump just because we had a very very high level um, community college at the time uh, and we were very competitive so my internal drive I guess you could say was enough to have me prepared for um, that stage at Arkansas, um, but it was much more serious in terms of like our scheduling and being like completely there and all for sports. I know they say student athlete, but when you're a D1 athlete, you're an athlete. That's it. <laughs> so I think that was a big that was a big difference there.
0: So how did your soccer career? At Arkansas State, go.
1: Um, I ended up starting for a while and playing, but then I remember we played. I'll always remember this. We played Memphis, which was obviously way better than us um, in a preseason match, and um, I got scored on on a one v one, and my coach took me out um, and never played me again. And he told me it was because of that 1v1. Um, And I feel like I can say this on this podcast and to you because you're a goalkeeper and you understand, like, that's a ridiculous way of coaching. (laughs) Um, To 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 just like, yeah, it was a 1v1 and against a powerhouse, like, university and um, in preseason. And um, yeah, like, I remember him telling me, in uh like i I was clearly it wasn't clearly but i was very good at that time and i had should have earned my spot back uh and he just told me that no matter what i did in training it i was not going to play um and so that was when i decided okay i need to transfer like if this is i'm all for competing and i'm all for uh especially in the goalkeeping position like it's, it's hard um to it there's only one spot on the field so there needs to be at least competition during practice but once you take that away i was like ah, okay <laughs> i need a new challenge i think
0: and so how did that new challenge go
1: i think it was the my smartest move um, because i look back and i remember doing interviews and stuff and people being like Like, why did you come here or whatever? But I was never promised a spot on that team. And I was going in ready to earn it because there was a really, really good freshman coming in. Um, So I was ready to earn that spot. And it turns out that I did. And I became nationally ranked. And, like, it was the most fun, competitive season that I had. And, yeah, so it was a great decision, I think. (laughs)
0: So you've transferred, you've, you know, you've won your spot. So you've had a successful season. Now what's the thought process? Are you starting to gear toward more towards, hey, I want to be professional. Hey, I want to take this chance. I, what, what year are we looking at right now?
1: Yeah, it was the end of my senior season of college that I was like, maybe I could be a professional. Like maybe I could keep playing because I think the reality hit too that I wouldn't be playing anymore. And it was something like football is something that I absolutely love. And it really hit me that I was, I don't want to stop playing. So I need to get better and I need to make it and play somewhere else. And again, it was really just thanks to my friend Chante, like, because I don't think, I think it's a little bit more popular now, but a couple of years ago, it wasn't so well known that Um, people could travel abroad to play in other leagues and play professionally and um, that you didn't just have to stop playing after college because, like, in the States, there's only the one league unless you count basically the college league. Um, But, yeah, so without her, I really wouldn't have known that there was professional football in these other countries that I could go to and I could do it.
0: So, did you consider playing in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, uh, I entered the draft like as everyone does, <laughs> and um, I didn't expect, obviously, to get uh, drafted or anything. Um, but you always have to try, and it was—it's always a goal to you want to play in your home country, and especially with the NWSL, like it's top quality players, and it's only getting better. Um, so, it's always nice to. Try for that. Um, but yeah, once I came to Europe, I think it, it didn't go away because I did have a chance again. Um, but I realized how uh, I don't want to say how political, but the way that the NWCL is set up is that you can only have a certain number of contracted players, and um, two of those spots are goalkeepers. So with the level that then every cell is, and you only get two contracted goalkeepers, it's very hard to, um, get in there. So I just kind of became a little bit more realistic about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I completely understand what you're saying. I mean, that that's professional sports, you know? Um, there is a certain amount of politics that goes into everything. So, um, I, I, I completely agree. Like you, you got to make the best decision for yourself, and for you, that's been Europe. So, how many European teams have you been on now?
1: Oh, geez. Okay, <laughs> um, okay. I have to count, so I'll just tell you the countries I've played in while I say it. Uh, so I went to Portugal, and I played two teams while I was in Portugal, um, and then I went to Iceland. And the same year, I transferred to Denmark and then went back to Iceland. And then I went to France after that. Um, and then I went in the summer and I played or uh, practice with Washington Spirit with NWSL. And then from there, I went to Kosovo and then Israel. <laughs> and then I went Back to Israel on a different team, and then now I'm here in Iceland again. You have been so. everywhere. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, that's
0: that's impressive. Honestly, <laughs> those are a bunch of different places that I would love to visit. But I I want to start off because you talked about earlier. how You said you had to wait a, a like a year after you finished college, right, to finally get yeah. that first opportunity in Portugal, and then you had to pay your way through, right? Yeah. So were there times, I guess, in that year, um, even in, during your time in Portugal where you're paying for basically everything, was there times where you were like doubting yourself thinking maybe this isn't the right decision. This isn't the path for me. Um, you know, because I mean, that's tough. It's tough to wait a year. It's tough to have to you know pay for everything when you're trying to be a professional. Like were there doubts that were creeping in?
1: Yeah. I mean, of course, um, But I think when I started the journey, like when I decided that I was going to wait and I was going to go for it, there were like glimmers of hope where it was like an agent would say, oh, this team is interested or this team, I'm talking to this team. So that kind of stuff kept me like, okay, just be patient. Like, it seems like things can happen. Um, And then what I did was I gave myself pretty much a time limit um, that I was like, okay, if I don't get signed within two years then I have to choose another path Um, because obviously there's only, there's two times a year that teams can sign. So I felt like two years was um, a good chance to like, okay, because again, with the goalkeeping position, it's a little bit about luck in a way. Um, You never wish for injuries on anyone, but if someone gets hurt, if someone, yeah, if someone just decides to retire right away, uh, that's how you get in. So, um, yeah, I gave myself two years, and after that, I was gonna stop. And then it, it ended up just working out perfectly.
0: I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that giving yourself a timeline—that two years. I've talked to multiple goalkeepers who have done something similar. I myself did something similar. Like after my, I signed my first contract as a rookie. It was a. Uh, I've played my first two years under that contract, and then I was a free agent after that. I was coming off an injury. I wasn't really yeah. sure where I was going to go. Um, and I basically just told myself, like, look, I'm going to give myself two more years, basically one more contract. Um, and if it doesn't work out, then you got to move on. Um, yeah. I ended up getting a contract with the same team coming back from injury, like battling in preseason, won a contract, ended up being number three that season, and then – just by, like like you talked about, just by luck. Um, yeah. For that fourth season, I went into preseason as the backup. Uh, they had signed another guy from Europe, a Scottish guy, and he ended up, his paper didn't go through for the first couple weeks of the season. So I yeah. ended up starting the first couple games, and I did well. I uh, got a shutout, I think, pl- was playing well, and there was just no reason to make a change. So I ended up... Uh, having a really good season, won a championship, one goalkeeper of the year, and I look back at that on that, and I'm just like, if you know, if that paperwork issue hadn't uh, happened, maybe I wouldn't have been a starter. Maybe I wouldn't yeah. even continued my career because I gave myself that timeline. And there's just so many other things that I'm interested in that maybe I would have just moved on. But uh, I think at some point you kind of have to like self reflect and just be like look, I have the confidence to do this. I got to push for it. If it doesn't work out, okay. But if I don't, you know, take that risk and gamble and try and go all in on it, then uh, I'm going to regret it. And that's kind of where I was. And I feel like that's kind of where you were at at the time, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, like, just like your story, like, everything happens for a reason. Like, it's so cliche, but it is so true. And then the farther you get in your career... When you can look back on that and be like, okay, yeah, like I trusted it. I gave myself the time and it ended up working out like the farther you get in your career, you can be like, okay, yes. Okay. It happened before. Things will happen. Things will work out. And it just keeps going like that. So I think those, those moments are really important to at the beginning where you give yourself the time and just wait for it to happen for you. If you keep working hard and it'll work out.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So you talked about, Um, You trained with the Washington Spirit, the NWSL side, and you've played in Europe for a number of years. What is the the level like in Europe compared to the NWSL?
1: Well, it really depends on each country. Um, Obviously, like France was, I think, the hardest um, place I've ever played. And I lasted four months there. Um, and I say I lasted because, um, I went there and it was a very good team. And I was the third keeper, um, against two national team keepers in France and against national team players. And I had never felt so inadequate in my life. (laughs) Like I was like, I felt like I had never played before, but it was just on another level, um, and it was so unreal. And it was right after that, that I had gone to the spirit. So, um, I think that the, the goalkeeping is much different in each country and that I don't really know if U S goalkeeper coaches are on the same level as European, um, coaches yet. Uh, I think that The US still focuses a lot on fitness, um, which is obviously a huge part of goalkeeping. Like, I will never say that it's not, but I learned a lot of different styles in each country that I've gone to that I never would have experienced had I stayed in the States or just kept going with that type of goalkeeping.
0: So, how do you adapt to going to these different countries and seeing these different styles of goalkeeping? Like, obviously, every goalkeeper has like the way that they play, uh, like a basis, and obviously you pick and choose different things that you learn along the way. But how do you adapt your training style to say going to Portugal, which may be different than being in Iceland, which is a little bit different than being in France? You know, how do you how do you adjust yourself to to really fit into the environment?
1: Yeah. It's honestly so hard. (laughs) That's like the one downfall I think of like me moving around so much every country I go to, I have to adapt again. Um, but the one constant is just like, you just have to trust your coach. And it's sometimes really hard if you don't have that relationship with them, but, um, you just have to trust that, that whatever they're telling you to do is because that's the style that's going to happen in the games. And, If it's not your style, you just have to work that much harder to get better at it. Like um, in Denmark, for example, they really wanted footwork Um, and I was not good at footwork. And I think every single morning I was out there with them working on passing and my first touch and all that kind of stuff and just working so much extra to make sure that I was what they wanted. And um, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes your coach might just not like your style and that's the sucky part about it, but you have to push yourself to learn these new things to just pull them out whenever <laughs> you could randomly need it. Um, yeah. Like I'm like, so like Portugal was, they were obviously much more like technical and they could juke me out really quick on a one V one. So I learned how to be patient and, um, Iceland is a little bit more tough. So I learned how to really hit some people. (laughs) Like, it's just, you just have to trust that your coach is going to give you the right information and then you just have to work extra hard to change. So what do you think was
0: the biggest thing or some of the biggest things that you took away from your time in France? Like you said, you were training with goalkeepers at a really high national level. Like, what did you take away from them that you felt like really helped your game?
1: There's two things that like come to mind immediately. And that's one is catching the ball. Like when you're doing anything and it sounds so simple, but they would kill the ball at you. Like they did not care at all. They would just like, I'm talking about like my coaches and like my training partners, like you, they would just rocket it right at you and you would have to hold it. And if you didn't hold it, he would yell at you and scream at you and make you do it again. And until you would hold that, freaking ball. Like <laughs> it was, I, my hands have never been so good in my life. Like it were so good. Um, and then the other thing was how to be a, a good training partner. I always thought I was a good training partner, but when I got there, if one ball was not in the right spot that she wanted or not as hard as she wanted, I would get ringed out. And I didn't, and like once we became like closer and like actually like, talked and stuff, I understood more just about what she was coming from. Because like when you're in a game, people don't baby you. People don't give you the per like they're not going to just be like, oh, her hands are there. So I'm not going to go in for that one v one No, like that's why we're training each other is so we're ready for the games. And if you're not a good training partner, you're not getting them prepared for the game. And that was something that, I never really experienced. It. I've never been a third goalkeeper or anything. So when I was in that position, I was like, I do have a role on this team, and it is to get other people better while they get me better. And it's hard to accept, but um, yeah, it kind of turned me onto that. And now when whenever I have a someone that isn't necessarily a good training partner, I tend to get a little snippy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so now the roles are reversed for it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you just like hit oh, it harder. Like what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, those are two of the biggest things I think I took away um, from France.
0: And so then going into Washington Spirit, like what was what was your goal there? Getting just getting training opportunity with them, or hopefully getting you know an opportunity to come back to the US? Is that something that you're interested in, and or just just something where you're in the area and you can train?
1: Um, it was kind of a combination of everything. Like I of course wanted to sign, (laughs) like, of course I would have loved to get an off like a contract offer. Um, but when I had gotten the offer to practice with them, I really just took it as a chance to get even better. Um, when I was in France, I ended up dislocating two of my fingers. Uh, and that was ultimately why I decided to come home.
0: Was it from all the hard shots?
1: Yeah, it was a it was um a rebound and he just crushed it at me and I just happened to pull my hand up to save it and I don't know how it happened but yeah, they just popped right out. Um <laughs> and yeah, so once I recovered, I stayed there for a little bit longer but then I realized um, it just wasn't the same because then I stopped getting invited to practices because I was injured and because they're cutthroat there, you know. Um, so I decided to come home. And so when I was with the Spirit, I wanted to just get better again. I just wanted to get everything back and I wanted to learn. Um, Stephanie uh, Labe was there at the time, the Canadian national keeper. And I've always thought she was so amazing. And I was like, I'm going to get to train with her. Like, I'm going to, I want to learn from her. And yeah, I was just, I wanted to take uh everything in. Um and yeah. <laughs> that was all, that was my thought as far as my thought process went with it.
0: So, what do you, what do you think about the state of the NWSL right now? Where do you think it's heading?
1: I think there are a lot of positives that are coming, um especially with the obviously the World Cup that just happened like a lot of things are happening there, but even with they with their new ESPN deal uh, and things like that, I think it's a it's a very promising forward step. And but I think it's really hard um, on the players. Like they have a rule, so basically in the NWSL, you can like you can cut a contract whenever you want. So you could be a player, and they could just be like, ah. Eh. Okay, maybe there's more details. that I don't know. But as far as I know, they can say, you're not performing. We're going to cut you and put you on injured reserves or whatever. Um, And I think that that adds to the stability of the league. Um, It's not something that I necessarily want to have to face. Of course, you still want to play there, but you never want to have to face like, oh, you can get cut at any time. And then your career and your livelihood are now done. Um, and there's some other things like, I know sky blue has had issues. Um, and yeah, it just seems like the the main teams that are connected to men's teams are the ones that prosper because they get a larger fan base. They get a larger support system from the club itself where they, they are doing things to grow. Their women's side and i think it's a lot harder for clubs that don't have that men's support system as sucky as it is uh to continue with the growth that NWCL is kind of trying to do
0: so do you think that's something that the league should move towards where most most teams if not all teams are connected to an mls side or even maybe a usl side
1: from my point of view, I feel like it would help. Um, maybe there are things like, obviously I'm sure there are business things that I have no, no idea about, but, uh, I think that it would really help a lot of the teams that are struggling. Um, I mean, you can just, you can see it like with the, the number of fans that come out or the state of the facilities or something like that. when, when you put the money into, like, and in, in, like investing in the women's side of football, you it can't help but grow. The problem is when they're not getting the same opportunity to succeed, the same training, the same field conditions, that kind of stuff. That it just puts everything at a lower level than the men have.
0: Right, right. Completely understand that. So. Being an American in the in the European game, uh, especially coming off the, the recent World Cup win, do you talk a little trash training?
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, especially when the World Cup was going on, we were uh, always talking a little bit. And yeah, it's always a little bit of fun, I think. But um, it's also always a little bit hard too because when you're, so like for us here, we have two Americans on this team, but the rest are Icelandic. One Turkish girl and the rest are Icelandic. So you're kind of like a little outnumbered. Uh, <laughs> so you kind of just respect where you are. But yeah, of course, there's always some fun in it.
0: So being one of the one of two Americans on the team, um, do these, like, I guess in all the places that you've been, um, do these players, like, aspire to come to NWSL or are they... Is it more so they want to be at the top league in their own country?
1: Uh, it seems to me that a lot of the girls that I have met through playing in most of my uh, most of the countries um, really focus on just getting to university and playing at a university. They don't necessarily think about the NWSL um, because... Yeah, I think then it's like, okay, I'm going to university and then I come back here and I play in my league here or I come back to Europe and I play in a a great league in Europe. Um, Yeah, not a lot of people even know it's called the NWSL, to be honest. A lot of people just say, oh, the women's MLS. And I'm like, the NWSL. Yeah. I'm like, it has a name. (laughs) Like, people don't know.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. So... I guess the last thing I, I kind of want to talk to you about um, was just any advice that you would have with, or for young aspiring female goalkeepers who who want to reach that professional level. I know, like you said, it's a bit tougher in the with the limited spaces, especially for goalkeepers. Um, and you've taken a bit different path going to Europe, see, getting, getting the opportunity to see a bunch of different places, which must be amazing. Um, yeah. But it's a bit different path than than what some people may be used to. So what advice would you give them um, for the aspiring ones wanting to reach that professional level?
1: I think it's just to keep your head down and stay dedicated to your goals. Have a goal in mind. Um, and... But, like, be free to go out of your comfort zone in order to reach that goal. Uh, it, it might seem difficult and it will be. It, it will always be difficult, especially with women's sports. It's just something you have to deal with. But if you have that goal in mind and you put your head down and ignore the negativity around, um, or like the naysayers or whatever. Uh, you'll get there. Um, just, yeah, keep your head down and work hard towards it and just do what you have to, really, to get there. It might not be what you planned, but you'll get there eventually.
0: Well, I think that's uh, that's great advice for anyone, for any young goalkeepers uh, aspiring to reach the top level. Uh, it's yeah. just not going to be the path that you want it to be, but as long as you em- embrace that path, I think you can enjoy it. Um, well, I want to, you know, I don't want to take up all your time. I know it's, it's nighttime there, but I (laughs) I just want to say, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been great getting to know you, your story, um, and hearing about your, all the journeys that you've had. Um, and obviously I wish you nothing, nothing but success in the future. Um, hopefully you can, you continue to, to be successful, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in America, but, um, I thank you for coming on and, and I look forward to following your career.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
0: All right. Well, guys, that's it for us tonight. Uh, We want to thank Audrey for coming on. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. And that's another episode of the Last Line Soccer Podcast in the books. Once again, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate your support. As always, if you have any feedback for us, positive or negative, head over to the Prime Focus Goalkeeping Facebook page to drop us a message. We also want to thank one of our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, for all the work that they do. If you're in need of great custom scarves for teams or supporters groups, head over to roughneckscarves.com to see what they have to offer. As always, take care and stay tuned for the next Last Line Soccer Podcast episode.